0: there are um, as i said to you earlier and i will see how this works and if not i'll go back to the um, i'll take a step back we'll see how this works so as i said to you um earlier I, i'm a father and there are some wonderful aspects about being a father uh, watching children grow uh, seeing them um, succeed from the smallest days of little league and softball to now careers and uh, things that keep them busy. The most joyful day of uh, being a father is the day a child comes off of your payroll. Um, I thought, yes, that's the, there you go, uh, I thought we had arrived there. Uh, only to find that uh, one of the major phone suppliers I think it's AT&T has what are called bundles I just recently discovered bundles I didn't know what they were Uh, I happened to open a telephone bill that came to my home it has my oldest son's name on it and my address Matthew and his wife Misty do not live with Donna and I So I thought well, it must be an error, but it is a phone bill Come to find out We have a bundle We have Matthew on the same line as Donna and our youngest son Charles Oh, and by the way Matthew's wife Misty is in the bundle (coughs) I only make this point because I can't talk about it when Donna is around, and she's not here today. Uh, But I come to find out that the bundle is being paid for by Donna. I, I, I thought maybe I'd get a better reaction than that. Have you ever been surprised by the behavior of your child? When you think they're off the payroll and they're really not, (laughs) surprise! So I've learned after almost 40 years of marriage never to ask a question. I've most learned recently, don't open any mail because you might have information that you don't want to know, but that's parenting. I'll always be a parent to my children. I'll always be the son of Albert and Mary and the grandson of others. I will always be those things and I will always be a Christ follower because somewhere back in time, May of 77 to be exact, I accepted Christ as my savior and I will always be a Christ follower. It's that construct of always I'd like to talk to you about today and I'd I'd like to talk to us uh, uh, in just a moment about the concept of faith. There's a hymn that we generally sing on Father's Day and I asked, Bill, oh, please don't sing it because I just, I just, I don't know, it just, it's not one of my favorites. And he was so gracious and so kind today. It's called, "It's faith of our fathers. And there's really nothing wrong with faith of our fathers. I just said, oh please, let's, could we just find something else? And, we, and he did a beautiful job today. Well, that faith of concept is exactly what I want to talk to us about today. So, before we do anything else, let's ask God's blessing. God, you love us. You demonstrate that through the blood of Christ. God, you love us. You demonstrate that through the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, His presence is here. We don't even have to ask. Because as Christ followers, the presence of the Holy Spirit is part of that. So thank you, Father, for being here, for indwelling, for being in this place at this time. Give me words to speak that might make sense to one person in the room. If it's just one person in the room today, then your will be done. Thank you, God, in your name. Amen. So I'd invite you this morning to um, an old school with me. Um, by old school, I mean some of the verses so we'll have, uh, some of the text of God's Word we'll have on screen. But most of us, right in front of you in the pew, you have a Bible that looks something like this. Some of them may be red covered, some of them may be blue covered, but uh, there's a Bible that looks just like this. And, uh, and I'd, I'd invite you to take God's Word this morning, and we're going to work in Hebrews chapter 11 to start with. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, for those of you who have found um, this particular book, Um, or this particular Bible, and um, it's page uh, 1430. Just now we can turn to the page. So let's look at God's Word, and I'd like to talk to you about three things this morning. And so if you're taking notes, uh, please take note of the following. I want to talk with us about the legacy of faith. I want to talk with us about the love of faith. And then I want to talk about the lasting faith. And in that discussion, what I'd love to do this morning is have you and I walk out understanding what our role and responsibility is with our faith, because it is our faith that God uses to lever us to reach others for Jesus. So, if you'll uh, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter eleven, I, I'd like to read the first two verses of that particular chapter, and then we'll come to some others, but. Just the first two verses to start us with. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. For by faith, men of old gave approval. And I don't know about you, but when we talk about a word, a word word picture or a word from God's word, like the word faith, I think we ought to define it. And I could have gone to Wikipedia, I could have gone to Webster, I could have gone to any number of sources to define the word faith, but God defines the word faith. And it's in the first verse of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is those things that we have hoped for and the conviction of things that we have yet to see. He goes on in verse 3 that the author does to tell us that, that the people that he's going to then enumerate did not see what you and I see. They did not see the blood of Christ on the cross. They did not see his bodily resurrection. They did not see his ascension. They did not see the power of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. And yet they had faith. And so if we want to talk about faith today, we have to go back to the definition. And always the definition, for those of you who who need to know, the definition of faith according to God is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's what we haven't seen, and the conviction that you and I will see it. And then the wonderful thing about chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, if you turn the page, it starts in verse 4. We'll not read all of God's word, but I just want you to get a picture of what's occurring in this particular chapter. Many call it the faith chapter. We have first we have Corinthians 13, we call the love chapter. This is the faith chapter because the author enumerates saints of old and their role in modeling faith for you and for me the people here are sometimes young the people here are sometimes old the people here are sometimes faithful the people here are sometimes not the people here are sinners and some would say the sin of some is great so God, through the author of the book of Hebrews, helps us understand that everyone here, we fit that demographic. Some of us are old, and some of us are young. Some of us are men, and some of us are women, and both genders are here. Some of us are sinners. Well, by the way, all of us are, but some would consider in their own heart and mind that my sin is really egregious before a holy God. And in verse 4, he starts with Abel. He moves then to Enoch. So we go from young to old. And by faith, Abel prepared an offering for the Lord. By faith, Enoch was consumed, taken to heaven directly. In verse 7, we have Noah. And by faith, Noah acted on things he had never seen. Rain. Never seen it. The earth was was covered with mist and dew at this time, rain. That was a foreign concept. And yet, by faith. Verse 8, Abram. Verse 20, Isaac. Verse 21, Jacob. Verse 22, Joseph. Moses, a murderer, by the way. By, uh, verse 29, they passed, the children of Israel passed the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho fell in verse 31. Verse 31, Rahab the harlot and her role in preserving a remnant. And then verse 32, what shall I say then? There are so many more I could talk about. I could talk about Gideon. I could talk about David. I could talk about Samuel. I could talk about the prophets. But you get the picture, reader, that faith. That which we've not seen, but we are convinced we will see. Faith guided these saints of old. Men and women, young and old, saint and sinner. And God portrays that to us. And God helps us understand that our faith is something that's really important in the legacy um, of others. So let's skip down and start in verse 33. And so he's listed, the author has listed all of these saints and all of the work that's going on and all that God has done through people who are unlike you and me. They have not seen the promise. We have seen the promise. We are living the promise through the Holy Spirit. But he says, who by faith, all of these people, who by faith conquered kingdoms, Performed acts of righteousness. Obtained promises. Shut lions' mouths. Quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong. Became mighty in war. And put foreign armies to flight. Women... Received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured, not accepting their release, in order they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36 And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, verse 37. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and ill-treated. Verse 38. Men of the world who were seen as not worthy. That's the mistreatment. They were not worthy, men and women. They wandered the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And yet faith is attributed to them. So the first observation from this morning's discussion of faith of, oh, the first observation is is a legacy of faith of others. Legacy faith of others. The legacy is in the word of God. That these people, centuries ago, were accounted to be faithful. As you and I are accounted to be faithful. But they were faithful in a day that they had not yet seen the promise. You and I are in a day where we live in the promise. Oh, how much more you and I have the opportunity to be faithful. But our saints before us, those that came before us, the men and women who came before us, all demographic... Their legacy of faith is for others. They did not think of themselves. That's why they were wearing sheepskins and goatskins and living in holes in the ground. They were not thinking of themselves. Were were they thinking of themselves, they might have chosen a better habitation. Were they thinking of themselves, they might have chosen not to be sawn in two. They might not have chosen to be imprisoned. They might have had a better Life or living had they thought of themselves. But legacy faith of others is putting others first. A great example of putting others first is Jesus. And so I turn us to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. For those of us who attend Bible study in this church, and I'm unashamedly doing another commercial. For programming in our church. I've already done the Wednesday night. If you're not here for Bible study on Sunday morning, 9:15 or 9:30, the 915 is upstairs, the faithful saints of God are upstairs and they start at 9:15. The striving to be faithful saints of God, the rest of us meet downstairs and we start at 9:30. You have an option. But if you're not in Bible study, I don't know how your faith is growing. And you'll say, well, Mitch, I'm in prayer. And I'd say, God bless you. And Mitch, I'm in God's word. And I'd say, thank the Lord. But being there's something special about being with God's people, opening God's word to understand God's voice for you and me in our culture today. And so for those of us who've been in Bible study um, uh, in the last quarter, we studied the book of Matthew. And we looked at Jesus for the last half of the book of Matthew. And this particular passage is one where uh, Jesus' faith shone through. And you say, Jesus had faith? And I say, yes, Jesus had faith. Because while he was both God and man, and that duality can't be undone, We're seeing and reading in this particular point of scripture, of text, the man Jesus struggling with what's ahead. You see, as God, Jesus knows what's coming. As man, Jesus knows the pain and the suffering of what's coming. And so you remember in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus had um, a dinner with, a meal with his, his disciples. They had celebrated Passover, a sacred, holy occasion where we remember what God had done for the children of Israel, bringing them out of bondage in Egypt. And Jesus had led this supper. And this is after supper. The darkness of night had set in. In verse 36, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, we read, then Jesus came with them, that would be the disciples and those that were in the room with him, the twelve and any others that were in the room with him, they, as a group, left the meal and went to a garden that is called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples sit here a while I will go over there and pray and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. And Jesus began to be grieved and distressed. So here's the picture. They had all had a meal together. Jesus had initiated what we today call Lord's Supper or Communion during Passover. He is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. It's perfectly appropriate that that occur. But after the meal, As Judas left, the rest went to a garden. A beautiful garden. A garden of trees and bushes and shrubs and a quiet place. And Jesus said to uh, most of everybody, he said, would you just stay here? I'm going to go pray. But that was not unusual for Jesus to pray. But then he took three with him. He took Peter and James and John with him. And he began to be distressed. The human part of Jesus began to be distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, verse 38, to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. That's to the three of them. He went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me Yet as I will, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus came to his disciples, and they were asleep. And he said to Peter, so you men could not watch with me for an hour? So Jesus prayed for an hour, in distress and in suffering. On his face, fell on his face, and prayed for an hour. I don't know about you. I can't tell you when I prayed for an hour. But our Savior prayed for an hour. Keep watching and pray, verse 41, that you may not enter temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed the same prayer. Father, if it cannot pass, unless I drink it, Thy will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And a third time he left them and went away and prayed, saying the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, verse 45, Are you still sleeping and taking a rest? Behold the hours at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold the one who betrays me is here. So in the Hebrews passage we looked at the legacy of faith directed at others. In the Matthew passage we're looking at the loving faith of Jesus, the loving faith of Jesus. The people in the Hebrews passage had not, had not seen the promise, and yet were convinced of the promise. Jesus is the promise, and is living out the actions that will make him the promise for mankind. And I don't know about you, but something about this text, when, when people are asked simply, could you, could you just sit with me a while? Would you just come to the hospital and sit with me? Could we just have coffee together? Could we meet someplace for dinner? <laughs> There's things that are going on. Would you just, would you just pray with me? And I don't know about you, but my first answer is, oh yes, I'll pray. <laughs> oh yes, I'll pray. And sometimes I forget. The Spirit is willing. The heart, not so much. So on a day when we think about faith and faith of our fathers and we think about those that went on before us, there's, there are a myriad of people and nations who did not see a promise and yet believed. That's called faith. And the Son of God who is the promise is praying to the Father so that He can walk in faith The hours that follow the pain and the suffering of your sin and my sin being placed on his shoulders. That's the loving faith of Jesus. As we also studied, we studied what do we do with what we know. I turn us to Matthew chapter 28, just a few pages over, just turn a few pages over in God's Word. And let's look at verse 19 and 20. For those of us who were in the Bible study and those of us who studied God's word this last quarter, and we looked at the book of Matthew, it led up to a discussion of what is it that we do with what God has given us. And Jesus, for his part, is very clear about what you and I are to do. There is no guesswork. He made it really clear. And first of all, he made it really clear for the people in that day, because you and I know that there was some confusion about who Jesus was in that day. Some thought that Jesus was going to be the king, that would the true reigning king, monarch, who would take the people of Israel out from under the boot of Rome and destroy Rome and set the nation back as, as God's nation. And there was a misunderstanding in the day that that was Jesus' role then. No, he was the suffering servant then. Make no mistake, he will come in that power and that glory as Messiah and reigning king, and we will all bow. But to clear up any confusion about what they were to do, and what you and I are to do with what Jesus is and who Jesus is, he was really clear in Matthew 28. Uh, 19 and 20 and he said go uh, that's an imperative and the, tenth, the tense is go and keep on going it didn't say stop for age it didn't say stop for economics it didn't say stop for vacation it didn't say stop for work it didn't say stop for this and stop for that it said go and keep on going making disciples of all nations. And just so you have the picture, this is at the this is a, at ascension. And Jesus was with people at ascension when he went back to the Father. And you'll say, well he was directing this at the disciples and I'll say absolutely he was. But there could have been hundreds of people. In fact most scholars think there were hundreds of people on the hillside that day. And Jesus' teaching is not now restricted to the disciples, to the 11 remaining disciples. No, it is to mankind. It is to those who chose to follow Christ. So he's saying to you and to me, go, keep on going, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father and Son and Holy Spirit and here, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And I'm with you always until I come again. I'm with you until I come again. Now let's look back to Hebrews where people had a promise they had not experienced but were convinced it would occur and acted as if it would occur. Abram left family for an unknown land because he had a promise he would never see and believed it enough to move. Abel prepared a meal, prepared an offering, not knowing that that would cost him his life, but out of faith, based on a promise, never seeing the fulfillment of the promise, he provided an offering. So we look back to these people who had the promise. Jesus then walked the walk as the promise. And all God is saying to us in this text is: live the promise." And this is the lasting faith of eternity. This portion of scripture, these few verses where Jesus is helping you and me understand that we have a responsibility. Because we've seen the promise. We're experiencing the promise. We are the result of the promise that eternity is on the line. And not your eternity, and not my eternity, but the eternity of everyone around us who does not know Jesus. So when we think of faith of, the last observation is probably the most important observation. What is the faith of Mitch? You insert your name in the blank line. What is the faith of? And you'll say, well, my faith of is I'm here every week, and I'd say, God bless you. My faith of is that I attend a Bible study. uh, God bless you. My faith of is that I give regularly to the church. God bless you. My faith of is that I read God's word routinely. God bless you. My faith of is I work with others to bring people to Christ. I'd say that's the promise. So when you put your name in that blank as I put my name in that blank, I'm thinking about the saints before us from Rahab to Joseph to Isaac to Jacob to Moses. I'm thinking of them who acted without seeing the promise. I'm thinking of Jesus who was the promise, who in that garden was prostrate. He was flat on his face praying for hours on end. And I think about his command to you and me about what we're now supposed to do. And I fill in the blank with my name and I ask you to fill in the blank with your name. And the question then becomes, not are we gonna be in Hebrews 11? Not are we gonna be perfect like Jesus? Are we gonna, are we gonna share Jesus with anyone? And I'm not suggesting that some of us don't. In fact, I know some of us do. Through a variety of different ministries and opportunities, but sitting here on a Sunday morning or even attending Wednesday night or even attending Sunday school, even if I advocated them, that's not what this is about it is about God placing people in your path and in my path that have no hope of spending eternity with Jesus because we didn't open our mouth as uncomfortable as that is and you'll say well I am this or I am that or I am such and such and I don't God's word is God's word he said go and keep on going and i'm assuming that that means into the very last breath to the very last breath when that moment occurs between this life and the next so yes i'm a father i've been a father since 1980 i've been a son a lot longer than that i'm a grandfather that Came about in, I don't even remember when, 2004, I guess, 2005. I'll always be a grandfather. But I'll always be a Christ follower first. And for you and me today, that's the joy of the gospel is that we have a story to tell. You say, I don't, my story isn't compelling. My story isn't like Moses, where I I rose to power and, and murdered somebody and was saved to be used in a mighty way. And you don't have to be. You could have been one of those people that was marching around Jericho quietly on day one to day six. You didn't have an instrument to play. You didn't have a voice to use. You didn't have to do anything except walk as God directed you to walk. And on the seventh day, shout as loud as you could shout, and the wall fell down. It isn't about what you don't have and I don't have. It is what God has given us in our story. And are we prepared to share our story with others? And so today, it's about the legacy of faith, the saints of old. It's about the love of faith, and that's Jesus. But most importantly, it's about the lasting faith of eternity. Yours may be secure in Jesus today. If not, we'd be happy to speak to you about that after the service. And you can do it in anonymity. We have this wonderful little card um, that people are using, by the way, that simply says, how can we help you? And you might want more information about Jesus. This is the starting point. What do you need to know about one who died for you? Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, you've given us um, you've given us so very much, and as your people, we're grateful. Thank you for this shelter, for this hour apart from the world. But you did not call us to live here. There's no beds. There's no couches. There's no kitchens, this isn't an address for any of us. So we're gonna go home to Canton, Kennesaw, Cumming, Alpharetta, Roswell, and Sandy Springs. We're gonna go home to Buckhead. We're gonna go home to where we go home. And we're not gonna return here tomorrow. And some will be able to return till next Sunday. So what are we to do in between? We're to believe the promise and live the promise because we have seen the promise and his name is Jesus. (laughs) And we're so very, very grateful, God. Now as your people leave this place, I ask that you anoint them That you carry them forward. That you keep them safe. Until we see one another again. And it's in the blessed name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless. Have a good day.